Genesis 2, you know, our marriage series is for everyone. Some, some people say, hey, I'm not married, so this doesn't have anything to do with me. Well, you know, um, there's three groups of people. There's married people. There's people that are going to be married. And then there's people who know someone who's married. I think that pretty much covers all of us, doesn't it? So this is why it's important, because it's not just about us. Some of us may need to hear this because you may be God's appointed person to help somebody in their marriage and relationship. Even if you're not struggling, whatever scenario you're in, these things are for you. Because we all know, folks, we all know marriage is fun, marriage is crazy, marriage is hard work. Marriage brings you a lot of unique situations you never, ever, ever dreamed of. Sometimes you just got to step back and laugh a little bit. Kind of like the one man who was um, about midway through life and he was auditioning for some acting opportunities and he finally got an acting position and his agent called him and he said, hey, I got great news. I just signed you up for a part. He says, you're going to be playing a man who's been married 30 years. And the guy said, oh, but I was hoping for a speaking part. <laughs> okay, so I think I'm going to be in trouble after that one. <clears throat> you know, marriage is not always the easiest thing, but it was made to resemble God. Our marriages were made in the image of God and made to look like God. You see, God is not three separate deities strewn throughout the universe that decided to collect together like Avengers assemble. You know, God is one, and the Bible says the Lord our God is one God, and from that one essence came this plurality. He's one in essence. He is plural in subsistence, and yet always for the one. And this is how man is. Man is one creation. From that one creation came plurality. God didn't go to a separate cloud of dirt and make a woman, but from the one creation of man, he made woman. And then from that plurality, it is for the one, and, and this is the text that we're going to be in today. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. The oneness of God is to be reflected in marriage and our oneness. And so I know people may be sitting here today saying, or watching online and saying, okay, Brian, how do I experience oneness in my marriage? Or maybe this is a question you're going to be helping someone out with. How do they experience oneness in their marriage? Well, this verse right here, Genesis 2.24, outlines from the very beginning God's thought for experiencing oneness in marriage and the qualities that have to happen in order for us to experience oneness. 
And there's two primary thoughts that the text gives us. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united, or as I memorized it in my early years, why a man leaves his father and mother, cleaves to his wife, and they will become one flesh. In order to have oneness, there's two things that need to be present. Leaving and cleaving. So let's jump into it. Here we go. How to experience oneness in your marriage. The very first thing, the very first thing that the text talks about to experience oneness is to leave. I know that this automatically sounds pretty dramatic and drastic. The word leave means to loosen or depart or abandon. And here's what it deals with. Leaving involves authority, locality, and loyalty. Those are three big things. Authority, locality, and loyalty. Now, I've done a few weddings in my time, and there are actually, in our wedding ceremonies, there are words that are brought into the ceremony that, that talk about this leaving. So let's talk about it for a second. Um, the very first one, is when oftentimes the bride and groom walk down the aisle, or the bride and dad walk down the aisle, and they get right to here. And typically, I'm standing with a groom up front, and then I say these words. This is the very first words of leaving that we say in this service. Maybe you've heard them. Who, it's a question, who, what, who gives this woman to wed this man? It's the first statement of leaving. You're giving her away. Now, because some people don't get it, I've actually added a second question to the wedding ceremony, literally. And I, I do this with every wedding now. I ask this, how much of her do you give? No, just, I don't ask that. I, I say this, do you lovingly, willingly, and totally transfer the authority for her care and protection to this man. Now that just steps it up a notch. You realize what you're doing. There is a step involved here. It's not gonna be the same anymore. You're leaving. That may be hard to hear. But in this first step of leaving, I've heard some people try to soften the blow and they'll say, you know, don't think of it. Don't think of it as losing a daughter. Think of it as gaining a son. You ever hear that one? Well, let me tell you, you know, if my in-laws cried at my wedding, it was not tears of happiness that they were gaining me, okay? <laughs> I'll let you know that one. There is a reality that things change and they need to change. When you get married, there needs to be this leaving. And I end up saying at the very end of the wedding, and now I introduce to you for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. Here's an autonomous unit. Here's their own family unit. Their loyalty, their allegiance, their affection, their priorities, everything is different now than what it was before. 
Here's another phrase that we use. And it's in the vows. Probably, if you're married, you have said them. And we say these words. Forsaking all others. Forsaking all others. Wow. That's a big statement. I'm, I'm leaving all others. So the first one is more of a parental thing. Who gives this woman? The second one is now a personal thing. How are we doing on this? Forsaking all others. And, you know, here's where you put in there your old flames. You know, the, the little black book, the friends, the hobbies, the habits, the job. And I'm not saying that you don't have friends or habits or hobbies or jobs, but our ultimate loyalty changes. And I'm so glad that God gave us this formula of leaving and cleaving before there were friends, before there were jobs, before there were hobbies, before anything else, because this wasn't a statement against people. It was a statement for the oneness of marriage. And here's where this hits home, because the biggest hindrance to cleaving is never leaving. Think about it. The biggest hindrance to cleaving is never leaving. If you never leave, you never cleave. If your ultimate loyalty lies to job, to hobbies, to your prior home, to your friends, that will drive a wedge. If you never leave, you never truly cleave. I want to give you a few things to think about with this. Um, say, how do I leave, Brian? Here's three things. Number one, keep everything in its place. Easier said than done. I want you to think about it. Everything does have a place. Your job has a place. Your hobbies have a place. Your friends have a place. Your parents have a place. Social media has a place. Church has a place. Everything has a place, but they're never to take the place of your spouse. And I realize that there may be events, like there may be a job deadline, there may be an ailing parent, there may be events that come up that things change for a little bit, but you realize that your loyalty, your thoughts, your affection, your priorities are still always for your spouse. Here's another way I put it, and I want to give you a visual on this. Another way I put it, don't let an outer circle replace an inner circle. So um, don't let an outer circle replace an inner circle. So here I've got a pick of a bullseye, and I want you to see um, this principle. So say the center of the bullseye is you and God. That's what it is. It's you and God. And then you go to the next circle out from there, and that's you and your spouse. And then you go to the next circle out from there, and that's you and your spouse and your kids. It's your kids. And then you go out from there, and there's your extended family. And then you can see, you know what? You don't let outer circles 
replace inner circles. So, you know, we've gone that far on this, and where's our job? And where's our hobbies? And where's social media? And then there's a special circle that we have that's way out there. You need to see this slide here. That's your mother-in-law. She's way off there in the corner. I had to put that in there. My mother-in-law watches on Sunday, so that's, that's for you, Mom. That's just a little special doodad there. Um, but you don't let an outer circle replace an inner circle. You know, I hear people, when there's a problem, they say, that's it, I'm going back home. And if they say, I'm going home, then that tells you up here they never left. Here's number three. So keep everything in its place. It has a place. Just keep it there. Don't let an outer circle replace an inner circle. Then the third thought I have with the leaving is remember there's only one person in the world. Think of this. Out of seven billion people, there's only one person in the world that you're one flesh with. Isn't that crazy? And I'm going to give you another one to, to put on top of that. There's only one person in the world you're one flesh with, and they're not even your own flesh and blood. So for those with children, you realize those kids, you're going to one day have to give up to someone else. You're not one flesh with them. And they need to be one flesh with someone else. And you promised your one flesh unity and oneness to someone. And in order for that cleaving to take place, there needs to be appropriate leaving, loyalty, priority, affection, allegiance. It's different. The biggest hindrance to cleaving is never leaving. And if a couple wants to experience God-like oneness, they need to remove the safety nets and do the second part of God's plan for oneness. And here's what it is. Cleave. Cleave. <clears throat> so I need, to, I need to show you this. Um, in, the Hebrews, or in the Hebrew there, as we see in Genesis 2.24, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife or cleaves to her and they will become one flesh. Here's what the word is united to or cleaves means. And here's its usage in another verse. And I just want to show you this in Joshua 23, 6 to 8. You're going to see the, verse, uh, the word pop out here in just a second. Here's how it, here's how it comes across. It says, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Now notice God's going to tell the Israelites to leave foreign idols. So here's the leave. Don't associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow to them. So there's the leaving. God says, I don't want you to worship idols. I want you to leave Idol worship and leave anything that would draw yourself away from me. Don't serve them or bow to them. But notice the last part. But 
you are to, and here's the word for cleave, you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. There's the word cleave or be united to, hold fast. So this part has both, this verse has both elements. God says, I want you to leave, leave all the other gods and don't worship anyone else. But he says, but then I want you to hold fast to me. So you realize you can leave and not cleave. And just think about this. Both need to take place. You can, and many people experience it. In fact, many, many people experience aloneness in their relationship or at home. They have left, but they can be in a home where there is no uniting, there is no oneness, there is no relationship. And it would be the same as if we tell God, if he says, do you love me? And they say, well, I haven't worshipped any other gods. It's not the same thing. He wants to know, do you cleave to me? Are you united to me? It'd be the same thing if our spouse asked, do you love me? And we say, well, I'm not with anyone else. That doesn't answer the question. Marriage is not merely not being with another person. It's having oneness with your spouse. A oneness that pictures the unity and oneness of the Trinity. So just think about this, cleaving, this word right here means to pursue, to be joined together, to keep fast. And here's what it involves. Cleaving involves emotions, relationship, and commitment. These, the word specifically evokes issues of emotions, relationship, and commitment. I want to jump forward here. Cleaving is an action. It's what we do. I need to talk to some people here today. Um, one has said, first you choose your love, and then you love your choice. First you choose your love, and then you love your choice. So can I talk to just a few people here this morning? I've got a few groups I want to chat with, and the first, the first group I want to talk to are those who are desperately hurting. And you may be watching online, and you might be watching alone, or you might be watching as a couple on different ends of the couch, and there's a strain or you might have walked into this room today and you feel the hurt in your relationship. You feel the wounds and it's real. I want to talk to you. Because probably some of what I'm saying, it may not be salve. And it may be tough to hear. I want you to know, number one, you're loved. You're loved by God and you're loved by your church, 
by your pastor. To those who are hurting, you're going to get a lot of advice out there. And I'm going to tell you right now, you get a lot of bad advice out there. So I just want to give you some good advice, okay? You're going to hear stuff like this. You need to find yourself. Okay? Well, I just found you. Okay? And I'm going to tell you who you are. You're a child of God. You bear the image of God. If you're married, you bear the image of God in your marriage. You're a husband. You're a wife. That's who you are. These things are identity. That's who you are. And that's where you need to start. Some people say, you know what, you need to separate and then maybe you'll get your emotions back. And I encourage people, instead of just trying to look for an emotion, typically you, you start with emotions in a relationship and then there's relational things that happen and then there's commitment at the end. Unless you're in arranged marriage. And it's kind of the other way around. Any arranged marriages here? Guy didn't think so. You start with emotions, relationship, and then commitment. And I tell people, if you're in trouble, then you, you start with your commitment. And you work on your relationship. And then your emotions come. You know, to get into your relationship, you go one, two, three. To stay into it, you go three, two, one. That's what it is. I also hear out there some people say, well, you know, marriage is just a piece of paper. Well, newsflash, God can read. And marriage is important to him. And I know some of you may have no control over this right now. I hear you. I'm not here to beat you up. But maybe even in your pain and hurt, you can be a help to others who are going through this too. Number two, to everyone. To everyone. Marriage isn't just a tack-on to your current life. You know, there's our life, and then there's my married life. I, I want to tell you, it is a life of selflessness and sacrifice and others-mindedness that is so unique and powerful. Let me share with you, <clears throat> since it's selfless and sacrifice in others' mindedness, that is the life of Jesus Christ. What an awesome picture of Jesus. What an awesome picture of the cross, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And for those who understand and believe the love of Jesus for them, we realize that the, that the others-minded, the sacrificial, the selfless life is a power-filled, Jesus-centered life. And it's not just for salvation. It's for our whole life. And God gives us this amazing opportunity and influence and impact. And in fact, God even says, you know what? If you want to be proud and get your own thing out of life, I'm going to resist that. But he says, if you're humble, I give you grace. I give you grace. And so to everyone, God's called us to the life of Jesus Christ, the life that shows the greatness of his sacrifice on the cross. And we show that through our relationship and through our marriage. And then here's the last thing I want to make everyone think about too. Perfect practice makes perfect. So not everyone's going to get everything right. I don't. But perfect practice makes perfect. And so I just want to, maybe for some of us, this is, this is weird stuff you're hearing for the first time. Practice leaving. Practice those priorities. So maybe make some decisions together. Maybe when you're talking your, to your parents and they say, this is what we think you should tell your spouse to do. You say, yeah, that's an interesting idea. I'll talk that over with my spouse and we'll figure it out. Thank you. That's leaving. Practice some of those things. Practice taking this and instead of holding this in your hand, hold your spouse's hand a little bit more. Date. Get out. Talk. I'm going to go back on my word from last week. Husbands, even watch the Hallmark Channel with your wife. That wasn't someone clapping, was it? Okay. If it was security, take them out, please. Kiss. Be intimate. Make love. Talk your spouse up to them and to others. One has said, and I love this, try praising your spouse even if it frightens them at first. Isn't that great? Praise them. Practice leaving and show that loyalty to your spouse. Tag team with others. Sometimes it's hard to do this all on our own. And I say tag team with others. You know, look at that love and respect group. Maybe there's something there for you. Get in with a small group. Get in with some friends that have the same purpose. And allow someone to ask you hard questions about yourself, about your marriage, about your life. Set some goals, but tag team with someone else. Because this is so important. If you want to be one flesh, you've got to leave. And you've got to cleave. That's God's 
That's God's equation for oneness. Would you stand with me? One person has said, cleaving in marriage needs to be to the extent that the wife makes her husband happy to come home and the husband makes her sorry to see him leave. Leaving and cleaving to be one, just like God is one. What a great picture of Jesus Christ. What a great picture of the sacrifice and the sacrificial life of Jesus in the gospel. And Father, I pray over these people. I pray over the people watching online. God, I pray over our homes. I pray over our future homes, over our children. I pray over the hurting. And this is a wide blanket that we throw out, but God, I just pray that your word will help us. Maybe it's sorting out issues from the past. Maybe it's navigating a path forward. Maybe it's getting some thoughts together to help a friend. Maybe it's collecting our priorities as we walk toward that altar one day. God, whatever it is, God, your word and these words have a place in our life today. Use them. Use us to show your image, the image of the one God. And may you be lifted up above all. May people see Jesus through us. May they see a life of sacrifice. May, be, may it be a witness to the world that we live a life worthy of the hope and the message of Jesus Christ. And together we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you folks for being here. Big stuff to think about and to talk about with other people. Have a great rest of your day. And I'm going to see you in the foyer in just a minute.